Hey guys, my name's Chris, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here at One Church, and we're so glad that you're here. I want to say a huge welcome uh, to uh, three groups of people. Um, if you're a first-time guest with us, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, you guys are amazing, and uh, we know that there's a lot of other things you could be doing, like sleeping in or whatever. Um, we're so glad to have you here. Also, uh, our VIPs are very important. Our volunteers are important people here at One Church. So if you serve, let's give a round of applause for you guys. You guys are amazing. And then lastly, I want to say hello to those who are watching online or if you're watching from the overflow. So thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Um, before we launch into the message, I just want to be able to take some time, about five minutes, just to t- uh, just kind of like have a family meeting, if you will. Uh, one of the things, uh, uh, if your family is anything like mine, sometimes we have meetings and we say, hey, this is going great. And, or we have meetings and go, you know, the grades are not that good. You got to get those up. And this is kind of one of those. So I'm just going to say, if you're a first-time guest, you're welcome to tune me out for the next five minutes. But if you call once you're at your home, uh, just lean in and listen just for a sec. Um, you know, I am a pastor who struggles with faith. And uh, if you know me, you know that about me. And you think that if you don't know me, that may be a little weird uh, because you think that's kind of your job, Chris. Uh, you struggle with faith, but I do. And uh, I struggle with faith and how it manifests itself is I tend to worry. I'm a worrier. In fact, how many of you would say, you know what, I worry as well? How many of y'all? Okay, so a lot of us. So so I'm speaking to you and to me today because I struggle with this. And I'll tell you, some of the things that are causing me some pause just recently is just uh, with everything that's happened over the past year and a half to two years of our church. uh, And if you're kind of new here, I'm going to kind of bring you up to speed. But uh, back uh, last year, and from 2015 to go into 2016, uh, we've had a 70% turnover of Army folks in the life of our church from 2015 to 2016. So 70% of our population last year who are at one church are now literally all over the world. In South Carolina, Washington State, uh, Korea, um, uh, New York, um, we have literally everywhere. Um, so, uh, and a lot of those people who have, they have been a part of one church for a long, long time. A, l- a lot of friends, uh, I've had to say goodbye to over the past year. And again, if you've been here at one church, you know what that feels like. You just do. Um, and, uh, but really what I want to talk about today is because a lot of those folks were invested, uh, they gave and uh, back in 2015, we had 134 families who were giving online to onechurch.tv. And now in 2016, uh, that's down to 88 families. And because of that, uh, we have a shortfall. We're not making our budget. And we've been, uh, we have reserves. We have a savings account, probably like you do. Uh, and we've been pulling from that savings account. But now uh, I'm bringing this to you and to your attention because there are some of you in here that call one church your home and you just, for whatever reason, either you don't give or you're just not very consistent in giving. And I get that. I understand how that is because I've been inconsistent in giving before one church. Uh, very inconsistent. It was a faith issue for me. So this worry and this faith issue that I have, you may have as well, and that may be one of the reasons why you're choosing either not to give or not to give in a, in a percentage basis. So I just, my challenge for you is I just, I'm putting my faith in God, and uh, I'm asking you to do the same. Uh, things are well, we're, we still have a reserve, but we want to be able to do things a whole lot more, uh, and uh, things are just tight right now, especially during the summer. Uh, I also want to say this. Some of you are giving to Bold, and Bold is all about our future, but our regular tithes and offerings is all about our present. Uh, so I would just encourage uh, all of us 
if you're inconsistent, uh, I would encourage you to take your next step and to go online and to sign up uh, with online giving. And that would help make you consistent. It did my wife and I. Um, if you're not giving a percentage, uh, I would just encourage you to uh, pray about that, but even more and pray about that just to do it because that's what God tells us to do. In fact, there's a verse in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says this. It says, bring the whole tithe. And that word tithe literally means 10%. You can Google it. and You know, I... I because I know none of us speak Hebrew in here, but you ought to Google it. It's exactly 10%. Bring 10% uh, of your income into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And he says this, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I don't throw up all the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to store it. And this is the only time in the Bible where God says, You can test me in this. And I think that's important because all of us, it's, it takes an amount of faith to be able to literally put our money where our faith is. This is what God's standard is. And I think it's one of those things where he's saying, you know what, you can trust me in this. So I would just encourage you that if you're inconsistent, uh, sign up for online giving. Uh, if you're not giving a percentage, uh, pray about giving a percentage. Um, you know, start somewhere and then move on up from there. If, you're, if you've been giving, I just want to say thank you for doing that. Uh, if you've had some changes in your income, whether lower or higher, lower, then of course your know, percentage needs to change. If you've gotten raises, uh, then I just encourage you to change that as well. But I'm just asking you to partner with us as a family as we continue to reach people that nobody else is reaching. And uh, this month uh, is going to prove to be a good and a great month for us because we're going to be talking about a lot of amazing things in this new series entitled, What Would Jesus Say? So let me kind of just tell you a little bit about what's coming up with this message series. Today we're going to talk about Bill Cosby. Next week, we're actually going to have a church, uh, another church in town, join us at the 9 and the 10.30 service. And uh, Grace Life and Carlos Serrano is going to join us. And he and I are going to talk about race, racism, and faith. And uh, if you've been alarmed about what's been happening uh, over the past month uh, when it comes to the United States and race and racism and everything that happened in Louisiana and Minnesota and the killing of the police officers in Dallas, we're going to address that head on next Sunday. Uh, so uh, it would be a great Sunday to, for you to invite a friend. Um, it's going to be a good Sunday, but it's going to be uncomfortable uh, because that's one of those topics that it's kind of always in the front forefront of our, our for, the forefront of our minds. And you got to realize that Bible has a lot to say about race and racism. So make sure to join us next week. The week after next, uh, we're going to be talking about what would Jesus say to Caitlyn Jenner which that will be fun. Um, so we're going to be talking about homosexuality and transgenderism and a lot of different things and just about our identity. Uh, so in uh, me and another person is going to teach that as well. Uh, really excited about that. And then we're going to end this series, What Would Jesus Say to Hillary Clinton and, and Donald Trump? <laughs> That's going to be really fun as well. What would Jesus say to the next president? So um, unless you've been uh, living under a rock, uh, we are going to have a new president uh, this year. And uh, uh, I am, uh, 
Uh, I think that leaves us all, maybe some of us, apprehensive and worried as well. We're just going to move on from that. But, uh, but you know, we're, we're talking about this series. We actually did this series back in 2014, What Would Jesus Say To? And it was a fantastic series where we talked about what would Jesus say to Katy Perry? What would Jesus say to Bo Bergdahl? Uh, what would Jesus say to Ellen? We were going to talk about what would Jesus say to Kanye? Uh, but uh, Robin Williams actually uh, passed away and committed suicide that week. And we changed and we said, what would Jesus say to Robin Williams? And we addressed depression and suicide. Uh, we talked about what would Jesus say to Lance Armstrong, a person uh, who's been caught lying and cheating. And the whole purpose of this series is not to slam celebrities. Uh, because here's the thing that I want you and I to understand. Celebrities are just a reflection of you and me. Um, you know, the people that we, uh, the, uh, the People magazines, the National Enquirers, they're people just like you and me. They put their pants or their dresses on just like you and I do. Well, I don't put on dresses, but moving on. Um, uh, anyway, um, so my point is celebrities are just like you and I. And I believe that Jesus has some things that he wants to say not only to them, but I also think that Jesus Jesus has some things that he wants to say to me and to you. So the next four weeks are going to be fun, and they're going to be uh, controversial, and uh, I'm going to cringe, and but we're all going to come to the conclusion of what the Bible has to say about a lot of these different people, a lot of these different issues. So today, we're going to be talking about Bill Cosby. Now, I'm a child of the 70s, and I grew up uh, with uh, Bill Cosby. And uh, one of the things that I I grew up uh, watching the Fat Albert and and the Cosby Kids, anybody anybody else older like me? I remember watching Fat Albert and Mushmouth, and I I just, uh, I remember remember when Saturday mornings, you could actually wake up and watch cartoons. Anyone else remember that? I mean, I mean, what's up with that today? You wake up and there's infomercials on about how you can, your knife can cut a penny. Like, I don't even know if I, I, I even have that need in my life, right? But I mean, I could, I could, I could wake up and I could watch the Little Rascals and I could watch Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner and and I could watch Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Uh, I remember growing up and he was on the Jello commercials and 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 eating Jello. And I, I, one of the things I really do remember, my favorite stand-up routine that Bill Cosby did was Bill Cosby himself. And Bill Cosby himself, he talks a lot about childbirth, and he's talking about him and Camille, and he's trying to kind of help Camille breathing, you know, ziff, whiff, whiff, waff, push, push. It was just, it's just hilarious. He talks about um, Noah and God talking to Noah about building an ark. You know, Noah, this is God, build an ark. And Noah's like, what's an ark, you know? Um, and I also remember uh, him talking about feeding his children chocolate cake for breakfast. Dad is great. Give us chocolate cake. Remember that? I remember that. And it's just and how his his wife Camille came down, and she was really angry. Right? I remember that. How many of y'all remember watching the Cosby Show? Any of y'all? Man, I totally remember the Cosby Show. Cosby Show was part of Must See TV on Thursday nights with NBC. And kind of the lineup uh, was uh, the Cosby Show, Family Ties, Cheers, and Night Court. And later uh, uh, on NBC, they brought in Mad About You and Seinfeld and Friends and ER. Those were great shows. 
but none of them had the popularity like the Cosby Show did. And for six out of its eight years in production, it was the highest rated show on television from 1984 to 1989. It was the centerpiece of Must See TV. And it portrayed this wonderful family, the Huxtable family, and how Bill Cosby, Mr. Huxtable, he was a doctor, and his wife, uh, Claire, um, uh, she was a lawyer, and they had five kids. Can anybody name the five kids? Theo, yep. Rudy, Denise, very good. Sandra, Vanessa, very good. Absolutely, absolutely. And I want to show you a clip of the Cosby Show. It's one of my favorite ones because it's where Bill Cosby, the dad, Mr. Huxtable, is talking to his son, Theo, and Theo has just went through the pain of a breakup. So let's watch this fatherly advice that he gives. (laughs) What in the world? Does that have to do with me? I didn't lose my dog. I lost my woman. Which brings me to the point that had I not found Abe, your mother would have been upset with me because your mother loved to play with Abe. Thanks, Dad. I'm going to go back to my poem. See, I don't think that you want to write poems. Poems is not the way you're going to get your woman back. What you need to do now is go to the next level if you want Justine back. What's that? Begging. (laughs) You need to do some serious begging. And I mean, other than the begging you've been doing, where you say, Justine, I'm sorry, and Justine, well, it wasn't me that you saw, you know, that kind of thing. You need to do some serious get down underneath. Please, please, please. Then you can go to the next level, which is, just a second, I'll show you. What I mean. This is the ultimate level. This one. There you go. Now pay attention to what I'm saying. Alright? This is the level you want. That's what you want. The blues. Begging level, my son. Now, listen to me. Justine, Justine. Look, 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 listen to me. You're a dog. You're a dog. You're under the house. It's 22 below zero. The wind is blowing fierce. You're freezing and you're cold. And the only person who can open that door for you is Justine. Justine, Justine. All right. Now, wait. Come on, come on, come on. 
Hold on. Now we got it's just you, 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 you got to call. You get to call. You get to hit that big note. Get inside now. Come on now. I mean, I just laugh at that um, because I remember my dad kind of leaning into me and, and giving me advice and me thinking, what does that have to do with anything? Um, but gosh, uh, you know, for those longest time, uh, the Bill Cosby was kind of seen as the American dad, uh, kind of the great American father. And, um, uh, and the whole Cosby show was just a huge hit. Later on, my children got introduced to Bill Cosby with the cartoon Little Bill. And uh, and I remember watching that and just laughing um, as well, kind of talking about Bill Cosby as, uh, as he was a kid. Bill Cosby, through his work in television, went on to win two Golden Globes, two Kids' Choice Awards, ten People's Choice Awards, and seven Emmys. And through his stand-up routines, he's won nine Grammys. In 2003, he won the Bob Hope Humanitarian Award. And, of course, none of these awards outdo the Congressional Medal of Freedom he was presented by then-President George W. Bush. And he, he, he's, he has such a great reputation, or should I say, he had such a great reputation. Because now, when people hear the words Bill Cosby, they don't think of stand-up routines or being an American dad. They think of other things. Cosby's been the subject of a publicized sexual assault allegations. With the earliest alleged incidents taking place in the mid-1960s, Cosby has been accused by nearly 50 women of either rape, drug facility sexual assault, sexual battery, or sexual misconduct. And it's important for me to point out that Cosby has maintained his innocence throughout this entire process. He has settled one case out of court as of now, and as only he actually was arrested in December and is in the process of a court case for there. But this entire time, he's only admitted to having casual sex with the distribution of quaaludes. Now, I want to stop right there because I, I know we have a lot of teenagers in the room. I can't just mention casual sex without addressing that because everybody these days thinks sex is casual. In fact, there's even a television show with that same name. But I want to let you know there's no such thing as casual sex. It's a myth. God's boundaries set in our lives concerning sex are not there to restrict you and I into our fun. But quite the opposite. God's plan for sex and sexual intimacy in your life is, is there to liberate you from experiencing unnecessary heartache. Those heartaches of an unplanned pregnancy, the heartaches of STDs, the heartaches of a reputation that says that you're a player and the ladies, the names that they'll give you, the reputation are so much worse. But hear me, casual sex is a myth. And participating in sex outside of God's plan for your life will lead to some not-so-casual problems. I mean, imagine just for a moment that Bill Cosby is telling the truth. And all of these women, it was just sex. 
But with everything that's going on in Cosby's life right now, do you think that he still considers those sexual acts as casual? I mean, guilty or innocent, his career is in shambles. His reputation is shot. His infidelity has been exposed to the public as well as to his wife, Camille. Sex outside of God's plan should never be called casual, but it should be called catastrophic. In our justice system, a person is, is innocent until proven guilty. But the reality is, we live in a culture, and especially with social media, that all it takes is one accusation for people to form an opinion. So what would Jesus say to Bill Cosby? What would Jesus say with a man with an accomplished career, a man who's used his influence to better society, but now a man who's been accused of rape? Well, it just might surprise you, but the things that Jesus, I believe, would say to Bill Cosby would be some of the things that Jesus would say to you and I today. Because all of us, we long to have a reputation and a good reputation at that. But one of the things we're going to realize is a good reputation is hard to come by, and one moment, one dumb act can destroy it all. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Proverbs. And if you have your smartphone, go ahead and and flick that on and go to the Bible app and you can go to events. But we're going to be starting in Proverbs chapter 1. And uh, Proverbs was written by the wisest person who ever lived. And his name wasn't Stephen Hawking or Albert Einstein. His name is Solomon. In fact, this is what Proverbs 1.1 says. These are the wise sayings of Solomon David's son, Israel's king. The word for wise saying is where we get the word Proverbs. So Solomon, he's a king in Israel, and he was considered the wisest man in the world. God gave him this supernatural gift of wisdom and discernment and insight. And these are his sayings. This is kind of us looking over his shoulder as he writes in his diary or as his journal. These are his Proverbs. Now, again, what is a proverb? It's a, it's a wise saying, but I like describing it this way. It's like a bumper sticker. How many of y'all, you have bumper stickers on your vehicle? All right, not many of you. Um, But some of us, we have bumper stickers on our vehicle. And uh, uh, bumper stickers are short, pithy sayings uh, that are kind of short, sweet, and to the point. Let me show you a couple of bumper stickers. Here's this first one. Um, How would Jesus drive? Well, the answer, probably not like Pastor Chris, um, unfortunately. Uh, And this next one, the gene pool could use a little chlorine. (laughs) I love that. And then this last one, uh, the more people I meet, the more I like my dog. (laughs) You see, a bumper sticker, um, they are kind of like these Proverbs. These Proverbs, when you read one verse, and then when you go to the next verse, they don't really connect. They're just short, pithy sayings for you to kind of dwell upon, for you to kind of chew on, for you to think about. Well, the one I really want us to chew on and think about today is found in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. And Solomon writes this, choose, everybody say choose. What are we supposed to choose? A good reputation over great riches. Now, let me stop there. Most of us, if we had a choice of choosing to be a millionaire or choosing a good reputation, let's be honest. Most of us, we would have, we would have, we would be a millionaire, right? Because we see value in money. We see value in riches. But what Solomon is saying is this, is there's a greater value in having a good name and a good reputation over great riches. And he goes on and says this, being held in high esteem is better than silver 
or gold. Choose a good reputation. Notice it doesn't say choose being liked. It doesn't, he doesn't say choose being popular. And it doesn't say choose being recognizable. He says choose a good name or good, or good reputation. It's like saying, you know what, I know her. She's a good student. Uh, he's, a, he's a good dad. She's a good mom. Uh, she's a, you know, she has good character. She's godly. Their reputation, the way people think of them, it is good. And get this, you and I can choose a character. We can choose a reputation. In fact, Solomon, who also wrote the book of Proverbs, wrote this book by called Ecclesiastes, and he said this, a good reputation is more valuable than what? Costly perfume. Costly perfume. A costly perfume. Well, what does it mean by that? Well, think about this. You put perfume on to do what? Smell good. In fact, if you're a student, I, I, have, a, I have three boys, and one of my boys went to camp this year. And this is his first year at camp. And, uh, and one of the things I told him to do is I want you to shower every day. And when he got back, he said, Dad, guess what? What? I didn't take a shower any. But I put on Axe. Right? Uh, how many of y'all, you got kids that wear Axe? My, all three of my boys, they buy this stuff by the case, and they, they put on deodorant, they use the shampoo, and then they take the body spray, and what should be one squirt goes like 12, and, uh, and it's just, it suffocates everybody, suffocates me and Kim. It just does. In fact, we've had conversations, have we not, Kim? Just one squirt. One, that's it, right? And it's just like, come on. But they think if they give more, it'll cover it up. And I'm telling you, uh, what, the reason why this is so applicable today is in that culture, people didn't take showers often. They didn't take baths often. Water was a, was a rare commodity, and perfume was even a rarer commodity. So what you would do is you would take this perfume, and it would cover up your body odor. So kind of imagine yourself being with a bunch of middle schoolers who have B.O. with Axon, right? It just, in fact, there's another verse that's not on the screen, but it just it came to my mind first service. In Proverbs, it says, love covers a multitude of wrongs. And that's kind of what a good reputation does. A good reputation covers up a lot of other stuff. And it's, this costly perfume is rare. It's expensive. And what he's saying, if our reputations have value, then it stands to reason there must be some things that you and I can do to either diminish or increase the value of our reputation. I mean, think about that. For some of you, maybe it was a promise that you didn't keep. Maybe it was a debt that you didn't pay. Maybe it was a one-night stand. Maybe it was that inappropriate joke that you told at the water cooler. We all have those things, those moments, those memories where we made a poor decision and we realize, you know what, for that temporary joy, that momentary joy, whatever that thing was, it has diminished our character. Here's our big idea today. Your reputation and your character are more valuable than gold. Your reputation, what people think of you, and your character are more valuable than gold. By the way, as of from since the beginning of time until now, we have mined over eight point two trillion dollars of gold from this earth. And what Solomon is saying is that you're having a good reputation and a good character is more valuable than eight point trillion dollars. 
Now, for most of us, we'd go, right, I'll take the 8.2 trill. In fact, some of you, you're not greedy. You'll take the 8.2 bill, right, the billion. And for those of you, are like, heck with that. How about the 8.2 million? And then there's other of us, hey, 820,000 will work well, right? But it, it, the point is, a good name, what people think of you, your character, your reputation, they're more valuable than any of that. And it used to be the same way for Bill Cosby, we thought of America's dad. A man who had an accomplished career, who used his influence to help so many people, but now a man who's accused of doing some horrific things. And I think, you know, Bill, Bill, looking back on it, he'd say, you know what, that casual sex wasn't worth it. It was catastrophic. It, 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 it was a turning point in my life, in my marriage, especially in my character, my reputation. So let me ask you a question. What makes up your name? We've talked about Bill Cosby's name. What makes up your name? What do people think of when they hear your name? You know, I really think one of the things when we talk about character is character really is who you are when no one is looking. One person said it this way, reputation shows who people think that you are, but character shows people who you really are. And I can tell you, if your character isn't strengthening, then your future is weakening. It is. Talent can get you to the top, but having good character will keep you there. Talent will get you into the room, but character will keep you into the room. So let me just kind of briefly say there are two keys to achieve a good reputation, and that is choices and consistency. If you want to have good character, then you need to make good choices and you need to make consistent choices. There are these two keys of achieving a good name and and a good reputation. Choices and consistency. Because every choice you make determines your character. And how often you make those choices, the consistency of those choices determines the path of your life. So the choices and the consistency of those choices will determine your character, your character. And for some of you, you're like, man, how do I do that? Well, you can choose a character. Uh, I'm not going to have it up on the screen, but there's this verse in Joshua and the end of Joshua. And Joshua says, you know what? I'm going to choose to worship God. Uh, let's go ahead and put it up there. Joshua said this. This is twenty four fourteen. Joshua told the people, worship the Lord, obey him, and always be what? Faithful. So Joshua is giving this challenge. Worship God, obey God, and be consistent. Be faithful. Get rid of the idols from your ancestors' worship when they were living on the other side of the Euphrates liver. You see, the problem is that they were compromising. They were wanting to worship God, but they wanted to worship idols too. And some of you, you struggle with that compromise even today. And you're thinking, well, I don't worship idols, Chris. Well, yeah, you, you don't worship maybe little wooden figures. But I think all of us, we struggle because even Jesus says, well, you can't worship God and money. If you don't give your finances to God like he asked, God asks us to give 10% back to him, but we just spend the, all the 100% on us. It kind of reminds me something that happened yesterday. My, my, uh, grand, my father... Uh, my children's granddad, they were hanging out, and uh, my dad chose to give uh, buy these cheese balls for one of my boys, and uh, this big old tub of cheese balls, which are nasty, I think, but um, so he, uh, my youngest son, Bing, is eating the cheese balls, and uh, dad, my father, says, hey, can I have one of those cheese balls? Now, again, my dad paid for the cheese balls, right? And Bing says, no. And I looked at my son, Bingham, and I said, Bing, who bought those cheese balls? Granddaddy. 
I says, so if he bought them, whose are they? Granddaddies. Give him the cheese balls. Right? But how many of us, don't we do that with our stuff? I mean, God, he allows us, he gives us everything. And he just asked, not for a flat fee, and I'm glad he doesn't, because we could say, well, I don't make enough, or, you know, I don't, but he just asked for a percentage. And, you know, when you take a dollar and a percentage of a dollar is what? Ten cents. I'm thinking, well, ten cents, that's nothing when you're dealing with dollars. But when you get bigger than dollars, it gets a little bit bigger, doesn't it? And it's just like, oh, we struggle with that. Or, and some of you are pursuing a career or ambition or goals at the expense of what God is calling you to do. And God wants you to achieve that other stuff, but he says, I want you to serve me. Man, so you're, we're not consistent in our choices. And it says this in verse 15, but if you don't want to worship the Lord, then Joshua says, choose right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, choose right now. Choose right now. Because your character is a choice. And he says this, whatever you choose, I, you know what, you may worship those other gods. He says this, I won't. My family and I are going to worship and obey the Lord. It's a choice. It's a choice made consistently over time is what determines your character. And isn't it interesting how life it happens in life that way, that one act of stupidity can destroy a reputation that took years to build? You know, uh, uh, Warren Buffett said it this way. It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently. You know, what's interesting is where one wrong action can hurt our reputation, the flip side is not true. One act of goodness can't change a reputation immediately. One mistake can destroy it all, and all of us are just one bad choice away from stupidity. You know that? We're just one choice away from stupid. In fact, Paul wrote it this way in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. And for some of you, you're thinking, well, Chris, I've already fell. What can I do? What can I do to change my reputation? Well, I want to tell you this last story as I close. And then I'm going to issue a challenge. And let me kind of give you the, the background of this story. It's about a guy by the name of Joseph. And it's not Joseph and Mary and baby Jesus. That's New Testament. There was a guy in the book of Genesis, in the very first book of the Bible, named Joseph. And he had a large family. He had 12 other brothers. And his dad showed favoritism to Joseph. And that caused all of those other 12 brothers to hate Joseph. So they come, and they come up with this idea, let's kill Joseph, because they just hated him. And one of the brothers said, no, let's don't do that. We don't want to, we're shedding innocent blood. Let's just sell him into slavery. Like, that's much better, right? So they deduce this plan, and they sell him to a bunch of Egyptian slave traders. And he gets transferred, you know, thousands of miles away, where he now becomes a slave in Egypt. And his owner is a guy by the name of Potiphar, this Egyptian uh, person who's high up in the Egyptian court. He's kind, of, he's kind of like a secret service to the president, the pharaoh of Egypt. And um, it's amazing enough, God was with Joseph through this entire time, and Joseph starts building this good reputation with Potiphar. And uh, he just starts making these good choices that consistently over time, and eventually Potiphar puts Joseph in charge of his entire household, and that's when things start going wrong because Potiphar had a wife, and Joseph looked good to her. 
So Potiphar's wife is, is every day trying to tempt Joseph. Hey, come to bed with me. Come to bed with me. And Joseph's like, I'm going to have no part of it. And, and Potiphar's wife is wanting to sleep with Joseph. And, and Joseph is saying, no, no, no. Until one day, Potiphar's wife grabs Joseph and says, sleep with me. That direct. And Joseph is gone. He flees, trying to get out of there because he's not going to argue with her. And when he flees, he accidentally leaves his coat. And she accuses, Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of taking advantage of her. And Potiphar throws Joseph into jail. And this, this lie of Potiphar's wife ruined Joseph's reputation. And some of you probably know how that feels because your reputation has been ruined because somebody did something or said something that wasn't true. And this is where the story picks up. It says this. You see, he, so he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries. Why? Because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him. And caused everything Joseph to do to succeed. You see, Joseph's reputation was damaged. But he made, he made choices consistently over time. Where even though he was a prisoner, he was in charge of all the other prisoners. And if you're here today, I just want to say this. You know, I don't know what you've done in the past to blow up your life or ruin your reputation. Uh, Bill, Bill Cosby, regardless of what he's done, he can't go back and change any of that, just like you can't. I mean, you can't go backwards in your life, but what you can do, you can't go undo the choices that you made, but what you can do is starting from today, you can move forward and start making good choices and making those consistent choices. So the, I think Jesus would tell Bill what he would tell you and I. Watch out for your reputation. Watch out for your character. Because when your character, when it leaves and it goes out the window, it's very, very hard to get back. He would say, if your character is not strengthening, then your future is weakening. Because your reputation and your character are more valuable than gold. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much, God. Lord, for those all around us today, Lord, none of us are perfect in here. All of us, we've made bad choices. We've made poor choices. And Lord, I pray that starting from today, Lord, Lord, that you would just help us be consistent. Help us make those good choices that you call us to do, God. Lord, I pray for Bill Cosby. Lord, I pray that the truth would come out. And Lord, I pray that the choices that he makes even today would, would strengthen his future. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Here's what I'd like to do as the band starts playing. I want to issue a challenge to you. Because if you're on the version of the Bible app right now, you'll see and you'll scroll down to the events. There are two, uh, two devotionals that you can do this week to be able to kind of help you, uh, help you with character and integrity. The first one is, it'll be up on the screen, I think, maybe, um, is Living with Integrity. It's a seven-day devotional, and you can start it today, and it's going to give you some Bible verses so that you can help rebuild your reputation and your character. And the second one is this, and it's called uh, Integrity. It's a 30-day devotions, uh, and it is, they're both very, very good. I've done them both. 
I would challenge you this week, don't let just this hearing this worship, worship and, and the teaching and you just walk away from this. Do something about it. If there's something in your life that's incongruent with what you believe, change that. And get into God's word today as we learn about character and integrity. Guys, thanks for coming. Let's all stand and let's sing this last worship song together.